0: Welcome to Capital Class. I'm Adam Geary. We founded Capital Class to share candid conversations with market-leading businesses while humanizing the journey of constructing an enterprise. For many, the pandemic spurred the realization and appreciation for the work of an educator. The immediacy from in-school to homeschool thrust upon the market a need for innovation. The pandemic also created an environment in which our learners are beset with a wide range of viewpoints and realities. The modern day student has experienced an education environment unlike any in global history. While many of our shows highlight entrepreneurs, CEOs, and industry leaders, today we return to one of the original innovators, the educator. In today's class, we ask the question, What is the modern-day classroom experience? How is storytelling and digital literacy preparing students for success? And are we evolving the K-12 environment to reflect the future of workforce? To answer these questions, we are joined by Michael Hernandez, teacher, author, and education consultant. We pose these questions and many more in today's episode of Capital Class. We hope you enjoy. Today we're joined by Michael Hernandez, teacher, author, and education consultant, and currently an educator in Miracosta High School. Michael, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Michael, I thought your story was valuable to our audience because not only are you a current practitioner, you advise companies like Apple, Google, Adobe. You've been recognized as an Apple Distinguished Educator, PBS Digital Innovator. And you're really looking at the way digital literacy as a tool to prepare our students amongst a diverse you know, audience and perspectives. You know, kind of walk us through a little bit, like what does the modern day classroom look like? And, and how are you preparing our students?
1: You know, I would have to say, honestly, it varies uh, widely. Um, it varies widely by uh, socioeconomic Uh, geographies of where you are. It varies by the leadership and the vision of each district. Um, And uh, it varies by the vision and the support of state boards of education and uh, the federal government. And so, um, you know, it does vary widely. And so when we talk about what that looks like, you know, I can speak to my personal experience at my school, but it could be very, very different in other places. Um, What I see and what's really kind of been laid bare by the pandemic like so many things are how behind the education system is generally speaking um it's it's behind with technology it's behind with access it's behind with you know supporting uh, you know social emotional wellness and teacher training and all of these things but i feel like um there's a lot of silver linings in that and uh i looked into that in my podcast uh, last year uh, about interviewing students and teachers about what are the silver linings of this situation and what can we learn and what can we take moving forward that are gonna help us grow and help our students be successful in the workplace and in the universities and in other places in their future. Um, And so maybe I could speak to the ideal (laughs) of what I think might be interesting or important uh, for our students and their success later. Um, And so for me, it, it basically means Uh, listening and empathy. It means being able to uh, pivot um, and have agility um, and not be locked into, you know, one type or one structure and being ready for change. And as we know, you know, in the business world, everything's changing, right? The world changes. And so we have to be ready for that. Um, And and schools aren't set up for that. They're set for like this permanent status, like nothing changes ever um, for the most part. and so I think those are some of the skills that are gonna be really, really important. In um, fact, I just read an article in Harvard Business Review recently and they were talking about, you know, good leadership is uh, change leadership. You know, you're, you're all constantly changing and adapting and evolving in your business. And so how can I help as a teacher get the kids to get into that mindset of what it takes to, to pivot, what it takes to grow and learn and continue to grow and learn and change directions later in life too. It doesn't just stop when you graduate from high school or graduate from college, that you have to have that mindset and that ability and be comfortable with that.
0: I think the item around like what's not working is often talked about, right? And what you're highlighting is one of the, one of the amazing things about right? the case for optimism, right? I mean, which is where I see the world. You know, I, I love this idea around preparing our students to be able to deal with adversity. I mean, this is the topic we hear about from employers often, right? The this, the child arrives and they're not, you know, fresh out of a schooling environment, and they're just not ready for that. Can a subject matter expertise of yours is digital storytelling? What is digital storytelling, and how does that how does that create that kind of whole student as you were describing?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, of course, everybody views the world according to their uh, <laughs> their expertise or their love, right? So I sort of view the world through stories, and I feel like, you know, stories are all around us. You're a business person, you know, you're pitching your product, you're selling your product, you're looking for startup funding, you're telling a story, right? Whether that's a PowerPoint presentation, a video you're creating, you know, all of that stuff. Marketing is storytelling. Um, scientists tell stories, right? They have to also get grant funding, and they have to explain their findings to people. Um, you know, politicians, journalists, you know, everyone's a storyteller. And so if you really want to be successful in life, often, it, oftentimes it's the best storytellers that are going to get the job, they're going to get the, the funding and things like that. Um, but um, more than just, um, you know, here's me, I think storytelling is also, a great opportunity for empathy and for understanding. And so, I, one of the things that I've been talking a lot about is, you know, this idea that good storytelling begins with listening, right? Um, and so, I frame it in like the business world and the scientific world. So, in the business world, listening is like, you know, what do the customers need. We're making a product for others, right? And so, we need to listen, right? Um, if you're a scientist, you're doing observation and you're collecting data. Um, and so storytelling is a way to do that. It's just may not be um, you know, hard data. You know, it could be um, interviews, right? And it could be listening with your microphone and your camera. Um, and then that sort of philosophically, I think how I approach it, but then logistically it's also you know, video journalism, social media journalism and marketing. It's cinematic storytelling, right? It's like creating short films, creating documentaries creating explainer videos that we see all the time. You know, Vox is all these explainer videos. You see them pop up on social media all the time. What is this or how does this work? Um, and so essentially it's a way for us to take complex ideas in the world, synthesize them and boil them down into something that's easily digestible. Um, and it's a way to communicate ideas effectively to other people. And so traditionally, historically, especially in schools, that's meant taking a test or writing an essay. Well, nobody reads five paragraph essays. I, I don't know the last time I saw, you know, a startup use a diorama to do a, a grant funding round, right? Uh, unless you're like in a Wes Anderson film or something like that. <laughs> so why are we still doing that in schools? You know, it should be, I, I'm making a social media marketing campaign. I'm making an explainer video. Um, I am creating a short documentary. Um, digital books, we're doing some great work with digital books and how great you can integrate all of this great multimedia into it as well. So. Um, You know, for all of those reasons, philosophically, culturally, um, you know, as well as for future success, I think digital storytelling is the way to go. And, And I also think that, you know, it doesn't need to be a separate class. Mine happens to be a separate course, but, you know, we should be teaching these skills in every subject area, social studies, English, science, math. We all need to be learning and integrating digital stories to some capacity in those classes.
0: You know that strikes home. I was a educator at one point in my career in social studies. Those are essentially stories told yeah. by the victors. Right? Exactly. These are, not, these are not always accurate representations of what transpired over a period of time, but rather how we have sold a story about a narrative of the winner and the loser, right? The good, right. The evil, and right? You're waging into a space. Uh, that's both timely and needed, but I think also probably really relevant to your students, right? I, I think my students showed up and they were kids, right? Just, they were there. They were going of I don't want to say they were blank canvases, but they were, they were very much insulated to the world. This is in 2006. I mean, a world was not even Facebook wasn't where it is now. There wasn't even Instagram didn't exist. There wasn't TikTok.
1: See? Yeah, exactly. You know, I I totally agree with you, like, this idea that the world has changed, but it hasn't. I think what's what's changed is the speed. And I think you point out some really good points there, especially the history, uh, is, you know, this sort of, you know, inherent bias that we see in, you know, every institution um, and in the textbooks, right? And so kids, like you said, maybe are a blank canvas or they just come in blindly trusting teachers and the textbook companies to provide an accurate representation of history. And we've seen clearly in this country in the last year that that hasn't been the case. There's so much history that has been left out, ignored or intentionally left out. And the New York Times did a really great investigation comparing textbooks from California and Texas. And you know they have a very different view of things. Well then think about these senators who are voting on you know, laws and policies Where did they grow up? What textbooks did they have access to? How does that change their view of the world? So more than just, it would be nice if, or hey, wouldn't it be great if we all got along? This has profound, literally life and death, ramifications, you're talking about policies around COVID and vaccination, right? Trust of government, the role of journalism, you know, what, what have we learned in our classrooms? What's the story that's been told? And, you know, that's one of the things too, like I was saying earlier about, You know what are the perspectives that we are hearing and what are the perspectives that we're not hearing? And so more than just come to my class and I will dump this information into you, it's more importantly, here's some information. Let's figure out what's missing. What do I not know? Whose voices have I not heard? That's the most important piece. Not what you know, what you don't know. And how do you know what you don't know? That's the most important piece, because that will continue to change, right? They keep making history. right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, we keep getting scientific findings. And this um, you know situation in our culture right now about who do we trust? Do we trust scientists? Do we trust the CDC? Do we trust you know journalists uh, or business people? like, how do I know who to trust? And so it's not that we should be skeptical of everyone and everything. I don't think conspiracy theories have served us very well so far. But I feel like it—it it, it is important for us to not latch on to one way of thinking and hold on to that forever, um, but to say to ourselves, "Hey, you know, I'm feeling pretty confident with the data that I have from these trusted experts right now. In a month, in a year, in ten years, it, it's going to change, and I should expect that." So, like I was saying earlier, this idea of growth mindset, of of pivot, being able to pivot, and this mental agility you know, it's important success for for businesses, you got to have that mindset, like, look at Kodak, look at BlackBerry, you know, the famous examples of like, we're going to double down on keyboards, you know, on our phones, well, great, you know, because that's what they told themselves they needed. And they're not really around anymore. And Kodak is gone, right, except in name only. And so, um, you know, again, it's, it's pivotal to all kinds of successes, whether it's, you know, climate change policy, whether it's, you know, the success of your business and and growth mindset and adapting to the market and changes, you know. So um, I I think these are skills and these are mindsets that are fundamental to teaching in schools. It's not about, you know, data and information. We can find that and there, you know, we get new revised information um, as it comes along and the scientists do new studies and we learn more about the world, that data is going to change. And so um, I think just having that mindset of, Figuring out what it is that I don't know, and why I don't know it and where I can find it um, and diverse perspectives that can make me smarter, that can make my product better. Um, that's just going to benefit everyone. And so that's what I'm here to do, I guess.
0: I guess what's fascinating here, like, do you see a world where social studies and let's use just, let's just even more like go science or math, like where storytelling Whereas, in, whereas that has historically been such a sit down, do the problem or sit down and do this very structured lab. Do you envision a world where it's more based around the story about the experiment, why it matters, kind of in exciting children? I mean, what do you see this kind of permeating throughout all subjects in education?
1: You know, I mean, there's different types of things that you learn within each subject area and certain types of lessons and learning need to happen in different ways. Um, And also the really important, another one of those silver linings that sort of light bulb that turned on for many of us because of remote learning, is that everybody learns differently and at different times of the day um, and in different places. And so, um, you know, we don't have too many sweatshops left in this country. (laughs) You know, um, you're not chained to a desk. Um, to do your work. It's more about flexibility. There's work from home, you know, there's like meeting rooms and, you know, there's this refocus on, you know, uh, physical wellness and light and moving around. And the same thing is true for education system. And so um, I, I think that I'm a big believer in experiential learning of going to places and meeting people and interacting and you know, meeting in um, like a salon-like setting, not a hair salon, but like a idea, you know, think tank situation where, you know, you can meet people from different areas and around your expertise and have conversations. I think that's going to elevate everyone um, as opposed to rote memorization. Like all the research is showing that that doesn't work, you know, it doesn't doesn't stick. And and again, coming back to this idea of why would we want to have rote memorization, you know, uh, in the first place when the data is going to change And it doesn't stick anyway. Um, And so, you know, again, like the business world, it changes, like it's fine if you have rote memorization, but then if you just stick with that, you know, you don't have the growth mindset, your business isn't going to succeed. So if you're asking, do I see the future of education uh, as, you know, pivoting and changing? Is that what you, what you mean? Or like,
0: I mean, more in the sense of, do you see digital storytelling becoming part of these core concepts in education, right? Whereas it will move away from a white book that's two inches thick that you flip open and do your work problems to, to creating something that's a little bit more maybe narrative or experiential to, to engage a learner who spends most of their time on a device that is highly engaging, but then sits down in a modality that is highly structured when they go to school.
1: Well, exactly. And I think that's, we've set up this dichotomy uh, for our students, that there is what you do in school, right, traditionally, which is compliance, and we'll tell you when you can go to the bathroom, we'll tell you when you can eat, we'll tell you where to sit, and what you can say and do, like it's prison, right? And you will only accept, you know, these official documents it's like we're in North Korea or something, right? You can only read the official documents that the government has determined is the appropriate record of history.
0: Gosh, the way you <laughs> right? describe it, it sounds terrible.
1: Right? Well, that's what it is, isn't it? Right? And so that's in school. And then outside of school, meaning at lunchtime, in the evenings, on vacation, whatever, You know, students live a very different life. And that life is, I have access to YouTube videos that can help me understand the world and figure stuff out. I have social media to connect and communicate with people anywhere. Um, you know I have I can create things. I can listen and consume podcasts and music and and other things, right? And we've set up this dichotomy of there's the real world, and then there's school. And so when that happens, I feel like we lose trust. Teachers lose trust. and the educa- education system loses the trust of students and eventually parents, because our model doesn't fit the real world anymore. So we're irrelevant. And so I think one of the things that sort of this existential threat that a lot of teachers faced during the pandemic was, oh my gosh, well, if the kids can go to Khan Academy and do all this stuff online, why am I here? Like, what's my purpose? Like, I'm no longer the center of the classroom. Well, we shouldn't have been the center of the classroom. (laughs) You know, it should be about, let's help the students figure this out. And maybe I'm more of a person who's curating a learning experience and being a mentor to the students, rather than you know, a lecturer at the front of a room who has all of the correct information, right? Um, and so as far as the storytelling piece goes, I feel like there's a consumption, and then there's also creation. I think the students should be actively creating stories, whether that's a photograph, a photograph is a story, an infographic and data visualization is a story, right? Um, a PowerPoint or a keynote presentation is a story. Um, explainer videos or stories and we asked students to tell stories before right with essays and even tests and um, fill in the blank stuff you know, It's kind of like Mad Libs. Um, that's a story, right? Um, and we're checking for knowledge. We're trying to get ideas and see what they know um, and so instead of You know these sort of throwaway projects and throwaway assignments that nobody cares about in school Not even the teachers go ahead write that five paragraph essay. No one's gonna see it and nobody cares instead Maybe we can use all of that energy and that time, those resources, the blood, sweat, and tears to create something that's actually useful. And we can publish that authentically on the internet, right? We make a digital book or make a social media campaign and other people can benefit from that, right? We can find solutions to problems that are in our community and integrate that into our curriculum, right? So we can use math and science and Literature and uh, and everything else to you know solve these problems to communicate to reach out to other people and connect, um, and I feel that's important learning, and I feel like there's just sort of this mindset of like <clears throat> learning in school is all about memorization of facts and data, um, and you no, know, I mean there's a certain level of stuff you have to figure out and like you know keep and hold on to um, as tools. For the learning that happens in more complex ways. But, you know, it's like nobody does math longhand anymore, right? Not even taking the SAT, you get to use a calculator. So is that cheating, <laughs> right? Um, I went to the doctor to, when I was traveling back, remember travel? <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to Cambodia on a documentary trip with my students. And I'm like, what, what, uh, you know, immunizations do I need to have to go to Southeast Asia? And he's like, well, let me look it up. And so it's like, great. Like the doctor, who has all this training and gets paid a lot doesn't have to memorize it because guess what? It changes potentially week to week. And so why do we spend our energy memorizing when we could be creating stories um, that are helping the students engage the world and connect with people and not just tell their story, but connect with other people to incorporate their stories
0: as well. We could be evolving that system to much look a lot more like what the what the real world, right what I experience at work and what and what you experience as an educator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that there's something powerful to that, right And, and good good for you to be pushing the boundary and, and maybe that's what it takes internally to be like, like we gotta see this for what it is. You know maybe maybe a jump to North Korea is a bit much, but 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 I get the reference being that the educator was also educated at a college of education like I was to mm-hmm. be a sage on the stage, right? Mm-hmm. To show up and to communicate in such a way that you captured their attention and you had all the answers. Mm-hmm. It, was almost mm-hmm. thought, it was almost looked down upon. If you thought about it, like, you never said you didn't know. Of course you knew, right? You're the right. world's knowledge in this head. You know? Yeah. I <laughs> know you had yeah. a red lesson plan at seven to seven twenty before your kids got there right? That was, that was what you were prepared for. And, and I, and I think your experience as an educator, maybe segue over to your experience as a consultant, because you do advise some of the biggest education companies in the country. And, and I'm, I'm interested in that. Like as you advise companies, right? Some of our network and some of the work we do at Strategis, is we do the same thing. And the question that we're asking is like, how do we use storytelling? How, how, how do we engage um, district leaders, state leaders with a story about the evolution of both the industry and maybe, and maybe even more, more narrowly the classroom? And how do you think about this?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can just start with telling the story of your school and your district. You know, one of the biggest pieces is, you know, building bridges and coalitions uh, with all the stakeholders and the only way they're going to know the, the good things that you're doing or the challenges that you're facing, hey, we need some help, you know, um, is to communicate and to share stories, right? So, you know, those are things like, you know, email newsletters, which most people probably do already, right? But why not, you know, create those explainer videos? Why not have interviews with students and teachers in the classroom? Why not have a podcast um, so you for your school have, district?
0: You would tell a company, say, hey, you should have an explainer video. Right. You should have you should have these uh, very, very tangible experiences and interactions with your product that beyond the one page flat sheet and the mm, sometimes overbearing salesperson. (laughs) Right. I mean, you've got to meet
1: people where they are. You know, they're not, you know, going to your website. They are on social media. Right. And so can you meet them where they are and create content that's appropriate for that moment of time that you have them um, to share your idea. And I think it's important for everybody. I tell this to my students, I tell this to you know schools and districts and things is like, you are you gonna let other people tell your story and paint you a certain way? Or are you gonna tell the story of your vision, of your successes? And yes, even like your weaknesses. Like I think that humbling moment of, we're not perfect um, is actually a benefit and it resonates with people. and again, that's a way that you can sort of build coalitions and bring people on board is to say, look, we need your help. You know, Help us solve this problem together. Um, And so for all those reasons, I think storytelling is important. And then if you're speaking specifically about school districts and and working in classrooms, again, same thing, Like, like you mentioned earlier, it's like the way we learned is not necessarily what's appropriate for our current or future world, right? And so we can teach students the way that we learned or we can teach them the way that they need to be successful in their future, right? As opposed to our past. And um, it's hard to know what the future is, right? And, and I think so many, uh, in, probably in the business world as well, but definitely in education, there's like fads and trends and you have, you know, leadership that comes in and says, we're gonna try this, we're gonna do this. And he kind of just get tired after a while of switching, you know, back and forth. You have know, a new leadership team and comes in and like, this is our vision. And you're like, okay, I've heard this before, right? Um, So there's like a certain level of being jaded that goes along with that. But, um, you know, I think that's the other thing too, is like, let's hear, let's use the storytelling to listen, not just to speak. And so when we listen to great educators, when we listen to successes that students are having, you know, that is data collection for us. So we can become better, um, you know, leaders and setting policy and vision. Um, and it can also be a great way to uh, show off your successes of what's working well, you know, and we need your support so we can continue this. Or so we can, you know, make this initiative like district wide or company wide. It's working in this small group in this one classroom. Let's roll this out, but we need your help. And so um, I think that storytelling is vital to that. And it's important for everyone's
0: success. I'll get you out of here on this couple big predictions. You still have a foot, both as a practitioner, but you're also involved in industry Mm -hmm. 10 years from now. Give me, give me a marketable difference about how we educate kids today and and how we will in the future. Ooh, it's a prediction. Uh, I'm not going to call you in 10 years and ask if you were right or wrong, but (laughs) but take a shot.
1: Oh gosh. Um, I think there's definitely gonna be a lot more online, uh, work. I think it's just naturally because of so many reasons. Um, And I think that's a good thing. Um, I think there's going to be um, a much greater emphasis on project-based learning. And I think there's going to be a bigger emphasis on collaboration and networking. Um, These are my hopeful, optimistic predictions. I know education moves very slowly um, for a lot of reasons. Um, But um, I, I think that's just naturally, and I think the, the pandemic really helped people see that the, we can use technology in productive ways and that we don't all learn at the same time and the same place as well as one another. You know, everyone's different and unique. Um, and also this really uh, bigger emphasis on social emotional wellness. You know, we all suffered in some way psychologically, emotionally. Um, and so being aware of that, I think, was really instructive and I think will inf- impact policy. It'll affect um, you know, what we expect of students and how we assess them. You know, how do you measure success? You know, it's not like the business world where you have widgets and you have you know, d- sales numbers <laughs> you know, and, and other metrics. You know, humans are hard to measure and each one is unique. And so I feel like you know, maybe we can start to think about how we measure each other and what we consider success in different ways that are much more humane.
0: And and I'm going to push one more on this and the educator. Do you what is the modern day educator? What does the future educator look like? Could it be a world where I as a business leader could teach a class at a K12 hmm. in business, right? As almost what we do at university. Right now there it's still an incredibly siloed you either have to be all in or all out, right? You you I could not do that. Hmm. What, what, what do you see on the horizon? Is, is something like that potential? You
1: know, I definitely see a lot more focus on interdisciplinary studies. You see that at the university level as well. Um, and I think universities often drive what happens at the K-12 setting because we're gearing up for sending kids into college. Um, that drives a lot of policy and classes and things like that. So interdisciplinary for sure. Um, I see the teacher's role, like I said earlier, as more of a mentor and a curator of learning experiences. Rather than the, the font of knowledge that is unfallible. And um, because again, there's all different kinds of resources, and things change, current events happen, we have new discoveries in science and the arts. Um, and so uh, to try to be more flexible, uh, more open, more diverse, um, and more collaborative, I think that's the direction education's going. And I think that's the role of a successful educator is to be the person that curates that experience for our learners.
0: Michael, this has been incredible. If our listeners want to hear more from you, uh, what's, what's the best way to reach you and, and tell us a little bit about your podcast?
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm always on LinkedIn and I'm prolific with Twitter. So you can find me at Cinehead, C-I-N-E-H-E-A-D. Uh, and then my podcast. Yeah. So I have a podcast called change the narrative. uh, that's about innovation and education in the workplace. Um, and so that's a lot of fun. You can check that out and, uh, yeah, I love to stay connected.
0: Michael, thanks so much for joining the show. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Thank you for listening in on our sixth class with Michael Hernandez. Michael's perspectives intersect between education practitioner and industry expert. His case for digital literacy and its foundational value for learners of all ages is both timely and valuable. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an idea for our next class, please email me directly at adam.geary at gmail.com. You've been listening to Capital Class, a venture with the Strategist Podcast Network. Learn more at strategistgroup.com. I'm Adam Geary. Class is closed.